exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing on Impact Exposure. Uh, my name is Dave Rinkew. I will be your host for the next hour. And Megan, unfortunately, is enjoying herself too much out on spring break down in Florida. So she will not be able to join us. She's getting a tan, having a great time. Uh, hope you are having a great time out there, Megan. Definitely uh, good to have you back next week. But we have a special guest in the house to uh, fill in for Megan. The one, the only, Johnny P. You know what? Good to be here, Dave. Uh, good to have you on the show, man. Uh, definitely a lot to get to on today's show. Hope all of our listeners had a nice weekend out there. Uh, for all of you not on spring break and in the good old state of Michigan, it's a little warmer today, and it's going to be a little warmer all week, so enjoy the 40s. <laughs> um, yeah. Not as good as the 70s or the 80s, but it's Michigan. Uh, but we do have a lot to get to on today's show. We're going to obviously be talking about the Spartans and their tournament hopes. Uh, we're going to get to the NFL and the possible lockout, discuss that. Uh, we will also be talking about the Pistons the Red Wings, and more or less with the NBA, we're going to talk about how we see the playoffs shaping up, the problems with the Heat, success of the Lakers, all of that, a lot to get to, so let's start the show. And we are definitely going to start the show, as I said, with the Michigan State Spartans. Uh, the Spartans played two games last week. They played on Wednesday against Iowa here at the Breslin Center, and they played on Saturday against Michigan in Ann Arbor at Chrysler Arena. And we will start with the game real fast against Iowa on Wednesday. We will definitely get to this game on Saturday, which was much more important, but I want to start with the Wednesday game. Um, they did play Iowa, as I said, on uh, Wednesday in a game where, obviously, a must-win yeah, in this situation. Right. And the Spartans, you know, close first half. It was 36-32. to Actually, uh, the first game I'd gotten to all season, and the only game, obviously. Yeah, I was about to say. It's usually it's Megan going to all these things. Yeah, I know. I oh, finally your turn. Yeah, finally got to a game, had nosebleed seats, but great. Uh, great uh, great to be there. You know, senior night. And uh, Kaylin Lucas, uh, you know, performed great. Great game, 18 points. And uh, Keith Appling, I definitely want to give a shout-out to Appling, who played uh, his best game of the season. Uh, career high in points, 18 as well. Shot uh, fantastic from the three-point line. Um, good on defense uh, in a game where the Spartans took over in the second half and ran the Hawkeyes out of the building. Final score, 85-66, to in a win that was much needed. Any win at this point is necessary. Now, we are going to get past that game because that game is not of the most importance right now. We're going to talk about this Michigan game. Now, John, I'm going to go to you right now with this game against Michigan. You watched it. Tell me what you saw. Tell me what you think. Well, let me tell you, I, I think uh, it's, it's shown that John Beeline's finally getting the sort of players that he wants to have. You know, you got the, those great teams. He had West Virginia. They're teams that spread the floor with, you know, four shooters out there and one guy in the middle doing dirty work, and these guys hitting threes, penetrating, kicking out. They got those guys now. And, and uh, you know, with uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. out there, this uh, Evan Smotrich kid, Give him some fire off the bench. Yep, hitting the three pointers. It was, it, they just, uh, you know, they took their home crowd energy and and took it to us, and it was not the prettiest thing to see. No, it was definitely not a pretty thing to see. Um, in a game that I said last week, I thought the Spartans would lose. Um, I just I I didn't have any real good reason for that. Uh, just a gut feeling, uh, more or less. I think Michigan's been the better team this season. Um, not just against us. I think they just they have a uh, guys that play better together. 
Uh, and right now, uh, Beeline's using his guys, uh, you know, guys that are undersized, yeah. guys that you wouldn't think could uh, do what they've done. Um, they, I know that they've played a lot of teams close, as we have had as well. But uh, the Michigan Wolverines, uh, as a Spartan, I'll say right now, congratulations. Uh, this is the first time uh, the Wolverines have uh, swept the season series against the Spartans since 1997. It's been 14 years. And as much as I hate to say it, Congratulations, you guys earned it. I think uh, they really did. They earned it. They didn't. They didn't steal a game away. They didn't have. It wasn't a call that you know just changed one the game. One way or the other, no. no. It, was, it was definitely. I mean, they weren't blowout wins or anything like that, but they were solid wins that you know the team that played better won them deservedly. So no, without a doubt, this no. is a team I think that we're really gonna have to be careful of in you know the near future here. So many of their guys, their entire team's coming back next year. Every single player in the starting lineup, all the guys who come off the bench earlier, are all coming back. A lot of them are freshmen sophomores they're only going to improve so we're definitely going to have to step our game up next season if we want to be able to compete with them no without a doubt uh Darius Morris uh you know Novak uh, they have a lot of great kids on that team Hardaway Jr. of course again this guy seems to just like he'll do nothing in the first half and then score 20 points in the yeah, second half absolutely. it seems to be a reoccurring theme with he's, this kid he's got some of his dad's fire in him and he's a little bigger than his dad was too he's a little taller he can get to the rim a little better so we'll see you know if he can develop the yeah, he could be a real special player no he definitely can and you know talking about the spark now, um, you know, they did play a pretty decent second half of basketball. Uh, and that's not the issue. The issue is how you come out and how you start the game. Yeah. And the Michigan State Spartans, they missed their first nine shots. Okay. They got into a 10 to 1 hole just to, right in the first two, three minutes of this game. And, you know, they let this lead get to 33 to 19 with, you know, basically just five minutes left in the yeah. first half. It was it was a terrible start. They looked very sluggish out there. Um a lot of our stars have just been having really bad shooting days. I mean, you look at Draymond Green's numbers, 415, I think, or something like that. Yep. Um, and, you know, Darrell Summers, yeah, he finally hit some threes for us, but his shooting percentage wasn't very hot either. And it's just the sort of thing that with, I guess, the limited firepower that we have now with some of the guys that left, like Allen and Lucius, we can't afford to have that from those guys. They need to be out there. Uh, you know, making shots for us. It can't be Kalen Lucas getting to the basket every time. No, exactly. I mean, Kalen, yet again, uh, you know, he only scored two points in this in the first half, but put the team on his back for the second half, yeah. put up 23 points. Uh, he finished with 25. But again, as Johnny already alluded to, and we talked about this on last week's show, you need more guys than Kalen Lucas or yeah. just maybe a little Durrell. You need at least three guys yeah. on that team to be go-to guys. Draymond Green, 3 of 14. Durrell Summers, 4 of 15 shooting. Yes, Durrell did put up 13 points did have 13 boards the rebounds I really loved very aggressive you know at you know not just settling for a jump shot all the time um I very I like that from the kid but you're still not shooting good you know you see Kalen look around when he's on the court who's he got the pass to yeah absolutely. you got Keebler you got Sherman you got guys no offense that just they don't know they can't score and they're not willing to score they're yeah. looking to give the ball up when they, they get are. it they are. I mean, when you have guys like that who aren't going to be able to creating their own shots, they have to be at least willing to op hit down open jump shots that they get. Yes. And that's something that they haven't been doing. They've been passing it off. They look timid out there on offense, and that was a real big reoccurring theme in that Michigan game. No, definitely. I mean, Mike Keebler, yes, he only played nine minutes, but did not attempt a shot, did not get to the line. Uh, absolutely nothing. Uh, Derek Nix, I mean, and that was the thing, I think, in this game that you saw Michigan State yet again getting – 
outscored in the paint. They were outscored in the yeah. paint 26 to 22. Absolutely. And with a team that's so much bigger and stronger than a Michigan team, I expect them to be going after Michigan, like with Delvon Rowe, with Adrian Payne when he's out there, if he is. Derek Nix, you need to lose weight. I'm sorry. You're too sluggish out yeah, there. Absolutely. Um, just, you know, not getting it done. And again, it can't just be the Kalen show. It, this is not the NBA. It can't be, and, and another thing that I want to bring up is I think that there's some real deficiencies on defense that are showing up. Yes. I mean, and, and I, I'm going to point out Dr- Draymond Green right here. Uh, he fouled out of the game. He had some very bad fouls, too. And uh, I think maybe what it comes down to is what makes him so great on offense is that he doesn't really have a position. He's a hybrid guy. He's a power forward and a, and a small forward with a little point guard rolled in. Mm-hmm. But on defense, I think that hurts him because he can't really defend a power forward. And he also can't defend, uh, you know, a small he forward. Uh, yep, he can't. He's not. He's not terrible on defense, but we don't have a really good post defender other than Delvon Rowe. And if he gets in foul trouble, we're in big trouble because Knicks can't do it for very long. Payne's too young. He's got the talent to do it, you know, in a couple of years. He he's does a freshman, and it's just he's just not there yet. So if you know Delvon Rowe goes down, we don't have anybody to defend the paint. No, not not a soul. And, uh, you know, that's a great point, Johnny. And, you know, I mean, you look at Delvon Rowe, uh, his knees still, I know, are troubling him. Uh, I think that's a big, you know, thing with Delvon Rowe is he's still not fully healthy. Will will he ever get fully healthy? I don't know. I don't know. But that's, yeah, something that you have to live with and you have to be able to have a backup for him because he's not going to be able to give you 40 minutes in a game or something like that at top, uh, you know with top performance no exactly and you know especially looking at at least this year and this season like we've already said adrian Payne, he looks like a very formidable future talent yet he is a freshman and yeah he has a lot of developing to do he only played two minutes in this game against michigan and Derek nix yet again he only played nine and you know delvon Rowe also got into foul trouble because who else do you have to go to yeah, when draymond exactly. gets in foul trouble you put delvon and he gets in foul trouble and then you have nobody yeah you have you nobody know, to go to. It's it's it is really a, a big issue. I mean, they're fine at defending on the perimeter, um, but you know when you have people who can get to the basket and you have to pack your defense in to help with the big men, then you can get torched from the outside too. No, without a doubt. And I mean, again, if you want to get to Michigan State's shooting, they shot 25% in the first half of this game, which just led, I mean, they just, it was too big of a lead. They cut it to eight with a couple nice three-pointers there at the end of the first half to make it, a, you know, a manageable comeback. But you can't be always playing from behind, especially on the road against a team that just wanted it more than you did. They, they, they really look like it. And that's something that State has done. They've had a lot of times where they've been down by 10 or 12 points, cut it to eight or maybe six. And then the team, other team scores a couple of baskets, and after that, they just don't have the energy or the want or the desire to bring it back again. No, definitely. It's easy to, it's easy to break stakes baskets here, I think. I, I feel that as well, too. I mean, and again, we've seen a lot of poor first-half performances and very pretty, pretty good second-half performances. But when it yeah. comes down to it, you can't always be clawing back against teams that are maybe better than you, A, or just want it more. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they only shot 32% for the whole game from the field, uh, Michigan State, uh, 36% from three-point land, which is not that bad at all. That's pretty darn good yeah. in my I'll book. I'll take that, sure. Um, I'll take that all day. Uh, they out-rebound in Michigan by almost 20 rebounds, uh, so it's not like we were getting killed on the boards. They, they have to out-rebound Michigan. They're always going to re- out-rebound Michigan. That's just not the sort of thing that, I mean, uh, you know, beeline teams have historically been killed on the boards. It doesn't necessarily mean that much because they get stuff in fast break and they get stuff from outside a lot. 
No, definitely, and they do. And uh, I mean, right now, what I want to talk about, we got to get past this Michigan, uh, you know, game again. It was a, it was a heartbreaker of a game. Um, had a feeling this is just the way this season has gone for the Michigan State Spartans. Yeah. Uh, what I want to talk about now is what's coming up. We have the Big Ten tournament starting on Thursday in Indianapolis. And it's going to, you know, right now the Spartans are a seven seed. Yeah. They're going to be playing Iowa on Thursday. That game should be slated for about a five o'clock tip off. Uh, Iowa is the ten seed. Johnny, do they need to win this game and another game to get into the tournament? Because right now Joe Lunardi, uh, who's the, you know the bracketologist for ESPN, has Michigan State as the last four teams in, having yeah. to play in the playing game next Tuesday. What does State need to do to guarantee themselves an NCAA tournament bid? To absolutely guarantee it, they have to win too. Um, you know, they will be playing Purdue in the second round. That's already set because uh, Purdue has the first round by. But I don't think that I think that if they beat Iowa, they beat them in any way convincingly. They should be in. Now it's going to depend on what other teams on the bubble do. I think you know, and it's going to depend on if you have some sort of upsets in conference tournaments and teams that shouldn't be getting bids get an automatic one. Yep. That always takes away you know the at-large spots. Um, so you know we'll see how that how that works out. But I think with a you know any kind of solid win against an Iowa team, they should be pretty solid to at least make one of those play-in games and maybe even get in a regular seed too. Uh huh. Uh, maybe yeah. Like I said, right now Lunardi has. As in the playing game as a 12 seed, uh, which you know would be played on uh, next Tuesday. Uh, the tournament does start Tuesday with the playing games. I mean, the Spartans they need every win they can get. Uh, oh, they absolutely. have to beat Iowa. Um, I think if they beat Iowa, they will get in. Um, do they deserve to get in? Probably not. Um, honestly, in my opinion, uh, I really maybe it's just I don't know if it's bitter about the season at all. I really just don't feel the way they've played. At 17 and 13, 9 and 9 in the conference, which this conference has been great this year. Uh, don't get me wrong, with Wisconsin, Ohio State, yeah. um, you know, Purdue, obviously, uh, even Illinois, a lot of good teams in the conference. Um, just with the way they have played, I just don't feel they've earned it. If they do win two games, like you said, if they if they beat Iowa and then they beat Purdue in the second round, there, they have definitely at least earned that chance to go make a run in the tournament. As of right now, they don't. They better beat Iowa. Yeah, they absolutely have to. I mean, they obviously proved, you know, last week that they they can that they can be the much better team on the court, and that should have been what it was in the first game when they when MSU got blown out yeah. big time in Iowa City. But uh, that's that's the point is that they have to beat Iowa just because you can't lose to a team like that twice in a season when you've struggled in a lot of other games and expect to be making the tournament. It's you know kind of tough that we were in such a tough conference maybe that'll actually help us in the long run uh we'll see you know the selections committee is probably going to be looking at a lot of big 10 teams because it's been a grueling schedule and for msu you know number one strength of schedule in the country the most grueling season you can imagine no very grueling very grueling you know conference schedule and out of conference schedule i mean i do have to give the spartans that i mean you know they played syracuse texas uh you know duke uh, we can think of a lot of teams they've played out of conference in games that some of them they played kind of decent close and other games they just look like a joke out there yeah but they have had a pretty tough non-conference and conference schedule uh my problem with this team is that they've never really strung game wins together uh, at least convincing wins yeah. they beat minnesota 53 to 48 and then they come back and they get stomped on in the next game to you know by Purdue. It's it's this inconsistency of you beat the crappier teams mm-hmm. or you squeeze those games out, and then when that game that matters, that Ohio State game 
or you know just even any any other game against the better teams you don't show up whether it's Wisconsin losing 82 to 56 it's one thing to lose it's another thing to get embarrassed they they have had a lot of those big games what you really have to look at i think is take away the preseason predictions take away the numbers throw it out the window and look at this team you know as a team that wasn't ranked coming into the year how are they looking against those other teams in that middle of the rpi pack and I, you know, I think they match up fairly favorably against a lot of those guys. I think as the bubble teams go, they're towards the top of that bubble, but they're still on it. Yeah. That bubble can burst, especially if you go out and get embarrassed on Tuesday. Yeah. Thursday. I'm on sorry. Thursday, yeah. I mean, big game. Again, guys, uh, you know, that Thursday game is going to be huge. Five o'clock. Circle on your calendar. If you want to watch it, go ahead. I know I'll be. Um, really, uh, ever since the Big Ten tournament has begun, no seventh seed has ever advanced to the final or won it. Yeah. Um, it's never happened. The closest was Iowa did it as a sixth six seed once yeah it's a tough I mean the road that we'd have to go through probably would be Purdue obviously then Wisconsin would be the next game in Ohio State <laughs> championship that's a gauntlet right there if they win all the way through that man make them like a fourth seed or something <laughs> <laughs> seriously if they could get through that yeah that gauntlet that would be insane uh, I wouldn't even know what to say because I've been ragging on this team all season yeah uh, but yeah I mean the Spartans they're gonna have to you know show up in this tournament and basically Basically, get over this loss to Michigan. Yeah. Um, I know Draymond, uh, you know, he's been quoted as saying he blames himself for this loss against Michigan. Um, he did have a poor game, fouled out, uh, you know, after 32 minutes. And, uh, you know, he takes this loss heavy. Point being, forget about it, guys. That game is yeah. gone. That game's over with. And you have a whole new monster to start thinking about in this Big Ten tournament. If, you know, especially, it's different in the NFL to let a loss linger. Yeah. You got a week. To, you know, you have a whole week, and yet you still need to let it go. But in basketball and hockey and all these other sports, it's too fast-paced. You're playing the next day. You're playing two, three days later. Got to let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, the Spartans all-time are 13-11 and 11 in the Big Ten tournament ever since it uh, started, and they've won it twice, 99 and 2000. So it's been a while since we really made some noise in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. The point is usually we don't have to. No, that is we're, that's true. We're, we're pretty solid, you know, heading into there, and we're not really too worried. We might gain a seed or lose a seed if we, you know, depending on how we play. But we're in the tournament, and we're in there pretty, pretty well. This year, yeah, we need to make noise. We need to prove that we can play in that kind of atmosphere. I think, you know, it, it is sort of a mini NCAA, and that's something that I think the, the selection committee is going to be looking at for all the bubble teams. You know, how do they respond to that kind of atmosphere? Yep. How do they respond to this kind of adversity, to this kind of pressure? Uh, like I said, Michigan State will be playing Iowa in uh, the second game on Thursday. The first game will be Northwestern, the eight seed versus Minnesota, the nine seed. That game will start at two thirty p.m. on Friday. Michigan got a bye because. Um, they own the tiebreaker basically between the t- four teams tied. Mm-hmm. So they're the four seed. They will be playing Illinois on Friday, and that will be after the Buckeyes game at noon on Friday. Uh, so uh, a lot to look forward to, a lot to just see what's going to happen. Um, yeah. Again, with the Spartans, it's been a whirlwind of a year. Uh, tough to kind of make sense of it all, but it happens. Yeah. I guess I, I just that's a way to put it. Michigan State has this. Everyone expects them to be the best. I know that preseason ranking number two, but I've never been yeah. big on preseason rankings, whether it's football or basketball or anything. No, it's very true. I mean, you know that it's they don't tend to hold up throughout the season, at least for a lot of the teams. Now, my question to you, and I'm just curious about this: What do you think is MSU's ceiling as far as the MCAA tournament uh, goes? How far could they advance? How far they could? Um, personally, I if they make the tournament. I think they will win their first round game. I think so I really do. Um, 
depending on what bracket they fall in, which people are thinking we're going to fall in the East uh, bracket. Very, I say you probably they probably lose second round. I would honestly be surprised to see them get to the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. That's just me. Um, I really want to see how they play in this Big Ten tournament. Maybe yeah. they show flashes of just changing. Mm-hmm. But we've been talking about that forever. No, I agree. They oh, just come March. We'll just wait till it gets closer to March. Oh wait, no, they'll figure it out. They'll turn it on. Well, you know what? We're at March seventh right now, and we and, haven't. And they haven't. Okay, this is the same conversation. This is the same stuff we've been talking about since back in January. Yeah. They haven't figured it out yet, so that's why it's it's hard for me to sit here and say, well, you know what? They'll figure it out. You know, come no. mar- come the actual tournament, oh, they'll figure it out. No. Well, why should you, I have that belief? You can't jump right into that sort of thing. I think you know if they avoid these playing games, they might make it to the Sweet Sixteen. They'll lose in the Sweet Sixteen round for sure. Yeah, and I and I honestly, I kind of see them losing in the second round. Yep. Regardless, it'll depend on the matchups, obviously. Oh, definitely will. But I, I'm seeing the same thing as you. I and you know what? Let's be honest. I'm no team in the second round is going to want to play a team like Michigan State. No, it's true. I mean, any matchup, I, they're the sort of team that you know teams are going to look at and say. Wow, they could sneak up on us. You know, they've been here before. They got guys who have been to Final Fours, you know. Exactly. And and that helps a big time in a tournament like that. That's why, you know, I think, you know, this year, even though Michigan might be a better team, unless they're shooting super hot from outside or something like that, we probably have better chances of advancing in the tournament than they do. No, I I definitely agree. I I think that's a great point because, I mean, Michigan, as I do believe they're the better team this year, they are the very young team. I mean, like yeah. you said, when you get to the tournament, it's a different monster than when playing at the yeah. Chrysler, playing at Chrysler Arena, Absolutely. or even just playing at you know arenas that you've been playing at before. In the Big Ten. In the yeah, Big yeah. Ten, exactly. Um, I do want to make a – let's switch over to the women's team just real fast. Um, the women's uh, – MSU women's basketball team lost in the second round – I mean the semifinals, excuse me, to Ohio State on Saturday, 72-57. to 57. Um, A tough loss for them. Uh, Basically, uh, Susie Marchant basically saying five minutes, uh, three-minute meltdown was the reason for this loss. Uh, You missed on five straight possessions, three straight turnovers, and Ohio State turned what was basically a tied game to a 13-point lead. Uh, MSU, though, is now waiting for Selection Monday. That'll be next Monday. Uh, Selection Sunday for the men's is next Sunday. Um, And right now, uh, the MSU women's team, um, you know, they're looking uh, probably what they're saying is about a three seed. That sounds about right. I mean, this is a very talented team. They could get hot and make it to the Final Four. And, you know, it's going to depend. It's going to be tough for them to get through a bracket with a Baylor in it or or a Yukon maybe. Yeah. But if they're if they avoid maybe one of those teams, they could really make a deep run. No, definitely. And uh, here's a quote from uh, Susie Marchant, the head coach of the Women's Ball Club. She says, quote, I think we're a heck of a ball club. I think we did our body of work this year. We beat some really tough teams on the road. You look at five losses. Two of those were one possession. One was an away game to Baylor. And three were to Ohio, Ohio State. And one was to Iowa, which was obviously a last possession game, too, end quote. So, I mean, the women's team, uh, yeah, they have, those losses that they've incurred have been some close ones. They did get beat down by Ohio State on Saturday. Yeah. But, you know, other than that, this ladies' team has played phenomenal all season. Um, I'm actually very much looking forward to see how they do in the tournament this year. Um, you know, obviously you got to watch out for teams like Xavier and, you know, even Ohio State still. Ohio State's, uh, you know, they're the second best in the conference yeah. just about. And it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, I'll be paying more attention probably to them than the women's than the men's well, team. Well, probably have a lot longer to pay attention. At least to a lot longer. To, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, let's see. Uh, let's uh, talk. Let's move on real fast. And uh Let's get to the NFL. I know we got 10 minutes really before break, but we'll get back to this if we have to. Um, I want to talk about the NFL and the possible lockout 
situation. We haven't talked about it on this show yet, just because it keeps on, it keeps going on. Yeah. But uh, right now, uh, last week, the NFL and the NFLPA, the Players Association. Uh, agree to a seven-day extension of talks, which is extended to this Friday. So there is still no lockout. Uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell was saying Friday that, quote, we're having, we're obviously having a lot of dialogue. Uh, we've met for a lot of days, and we're going to meet for more. So, John, as of right now, and we'll get to the specifics in a second, but do you think by this Friday they will have some sort of agreement? Will there be another extension, maybe? Or are we going to see a work stoppage for the first I, time in a quarter century? I don't know how many more extensions they can honestly do. Um, I don't really know exactly how that's going to work out. There's a slight possibility, I think, maybe like a 35% chance or something like that. Okay. Um, but I really do expect there to be a lockout. I don't think that they're going to come together. There's still pretty much a billion dollars apart as far as revenue sharing is concerned. That's mm-hmm. a big number to make yeah, up. That's a, a huge week. number. Um, and obviously there's other uh, issues with health, you know, health care, health insurance, and uh, the 18-game schedule cropping up. So I expect there to be a lockout, and I think it's going to extend – uh, probably a good couple of months, but I don't think the season's really ever going to be in jeopardy. You can't kill the golden goose that's laying the golden eggs, as they say. Yeah. So I, I think you know the the players they don't care about these off season training uh, programs. They want to miss those anyway. So what do they care if they're <laughs> locked out for that? Once training camp starts to crop up, things are they're going to get a little bit more desperate and a little bit more ready to make a deal, and I think that's when you're really going to see it happen. No, I mean, I'm in agreement with you. Um, I, I think that this, um, this lockout will probably go to around April, May. Yeah, May sounds probably May, right. May, probably. Um, a decent amount of money lost there. For everyone who doesn't know the issues that are going on with this, you know, possible lockout. Um, Johnny just uh, talked about a number of them, but the four main issues are benefits for retired players. Uh, the owners, they're, they're pushed to expand the regular season from 16 games to 18 games yeah. and eliminating two preseason games. Uh, the rookie wage scale and basically putting a rookie salary cap in and basically determining where that money would go right. in that system. And also the billion dollars on top that the owners want for stadium construction and improvement from revenue. The owners already receive a billion a year they want another billion right so i guess the question right now to our listeners whose side are you on are you on the player's side or are you on the owner's side phone number 517-432-3893 because i think that's i think that's a decent question now john whose side are you on you know in this sort of thing i almost always agree with the players you know they're the millionaires not the billionaires i guess mm-hmm. is a one one part of it and uh, you know Usually it seems like they have the the better deal. I mean, obviously, with last time there was a major labor crisis in the NFL, led to player free agency, which people thought was going to bring down the league or whatever. The league has expanded a thousand times since then. Yes. You know, the players are making a lot more money, but heck, the owners are making tons more money than they ever were back Butt in loads the loads more. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I the health benefits thing, football is showing itself, I think, in the last few years to be one of the most dangerous sports that you can play. You know, with uh, the former Bears safety who just uh, committed suicide. Yep, gave his brain over yeah, to for study. Deliberately, you know, killed himself in a way that his brain would be preserved. It, that's such a sad story and, a, and really, you know, an iconic sort of moment in this sort of thing. It really is. That just shows these guys are putting their, really their health on the line, their lives on the line to a certain degree. They might not die in the field, but they're going to die 20 or 30 years earlier in a lot of cases than they would otherwise. Uh, that's something that really has to be taken care of. The owners just should morally want to do that, regardless no. of you know the money issue. Without a doubt. 
And, you know, the other things, expanding the season, I don't care really one way or the other if it happens. Um, you know, I think football is fine in in the 16-game season. It breaks it up in nice quarters, which is kind of cool. And, uh, other, you know, the rookie wage scale, though, I do agree with that. That needs to happen. These guys are getting ridiculous amounts of money. You're getting paid higher than established players who are doing things right away for their team, you know, exactly. when they come over. Should Sam Bradford be making more money than Tom Brady? Exactly. Peyton Manning. Yeah. I mean, that's a joke. Um, but we do have a caller, so let's see what the caller has to say. Hey, Nick, you're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Hi, guys. How you doing? Good. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. I just wanted to answer the question you threw out there. My support is definitely with the players. Um, I can certainly understand where the owners are coming from. You know, I think they want that revenue to do things like build new stadiums and stuff like that. But from my viewpoint, you know, I think the players are the ones who are sort of laying their bodies on the line and just coming from a space of understanding and compassion. You know, I have a lot of concern for those guys. A lot of them take on injuries, and I uh, admire what they do. So... I'm uh, definitely on the player side. So, Nick, are you on the player side for um, all the all the points, like you know the benefits for the retired players, the rookie wage scale? Are you on the player side for everything? Or are you on the owner? Uh, are you on the owner side for any one issue? Um, well, like I said, I I can certainly understand where the owners are coming from. I'm not saying that their request for the extra revenue is unwarranted, but definitely for all points mentioned on the player side. Okay, and uh, real fast, uh, what about the ex- uh, expansion of the season? Would you, just as a fan, would you w- rather have a 16-game season or 18-game season? 16. 16? That's all I can do to, you know, tune in and check out the games for a 16-game season, and I kind of like it ramping up in February for the Super Bowl, so I'm okay for a 16-game season. All right, well, thanks a lot for the call, Nick. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take all right, care. Bye-bye. No, and um, I like you said about the 16-18 game season, I would prefer 16, but I've almost, like we talked about it before, I've almost just come to accept 18-game season just because I feel like it's going to happen. They they do. The only thing, the only reason I think that might not happen is if the owners are using this as a bargaining chip mm-hmm. um, that they can throw out there that they say that they really want, but they're willing to give up in terms to get something else. And that might mean, you know, getting some of the at least some of that billion dollars that they want you know maybe not the whole thing but maybe they get half a billion maybe they get three quarters of a billion uh-huh. in you know uh, a concession for giving up this uh the t- two extra gains of revenue no and i think that's a good point because uh you know i've read a great article about this that it's not about the 18 game season it's not about the rookie wage scale that's not what's holding this stuff up mm-hmm. it's all about the distribution of the revenue Absolutely. and that's the that's the main focus of this and that's why they're that's why it's so hard right now for them to come up with a new uh, collective bargaining agreement that is the sticking point is how are they going to share this revenue and i think you brought up a good point that you know this can easily get worked out once they you know the piece of the pie is distributed just well enough figured out there's enough money out there you're not talking in this sort of uh you know negotiation about a fundamental change to the structure of the business of the game like you did with free agency coming into play you know back uh you know 20 some years ago that's that really shook things up and that was very tough for them to come together about this is just a number that they had to find in the middle somewhere 
It, no, it's totally different. Without a doubt. And for all of our listeners right now, I want to let you know that if there is a work stoppage, if there is a you know a strike, basically here, what will happen? If this happens, there will be no free agency while there's no collective bargaining agreement. Okay, so nearly 500 players would qualify to not be able to make any kind of moves. Yeah, 500 free agents, they will just be stuck. Okay, now the draft will still go on in April if anything happens here in the next. If they don't come to an agreement and there is no extension, there still would be a draft. But you can't trade any players without a new collective bargaining agreement. No. Can't trade anybody. You can trade draft picks still, though. Yes, you can trade draft pick, tra- picks, but you're not going to be able to trade players. And you know, I guess the draft's not going to work as it usually would. No, you're not going to see as much jumping up and down. Uh, between you know different picks for different players you know teams as you normally do I think no without a doubt and also uh, the players do stand to lose a decent amount of money uh, 74 players stand to earn more than 140 million in bonuses this March they wouldn't collect any of that during a lockout so all of that would just be gone um, also sponsorship money is at stake uh, you know some of the league's sponsors might not honor their contracts with the league if the NFL does shut down also more lost money. Um, assistant coaches would also be in limbo. Uh, many assistant coaches' contracts call for reduced pay during a lockout. The assistants can usually earn back the money if there's a labor agreement in place by the regular season, but September remains a long ways away. This is off a blog off ESPN.com. So these are the you know the possibilities of what could go on. And I think this guy in this blog, he brought up a great point mm-hmm. and uh, you know, was talking about when you know, it was Gene Upshaw and uh, Paul Tagliabue when you know, they were basically you know the union former commissioner and they were you know up against this whole thing when they were yeah. dealing with this back then that you know they were they were they had history they were kind of friends yeah they knew each other right um goodell he has no background he has nothing with smith exactly and that they're just saying that smith his background is in law is the way they put it right and his not football it's business and it could be a little bit tougher for them to come to an agreement with that relationship. Maybe. And, and, and this is also, I mean, for both of them, not only the first time negotiating against each other, but the first time in NFL labor negotiations, period. Yes, great point, uh, John. It's, you know, it, um, Tagliabue uh, and uh, yeah, Gene Upshaw had a long-standing history of, you know, making deals that were good for the players and for the owners. Yep. And they had that sort of, uh, you know, clout so that they could go to their constituents, which is something that a lot of people don't bring up. You know, a lot of times when you have the best labor deals, both sides feel like they got ripped off. Uh-huh. And, you know, both of the, the owners are going to be mad at the at the commissioner because they didn't get exactly enough as they wanted. The players are going to be mad at, you know, the Demore Smith for not getting as much as they wanted. It's because they found that middle ground and they found the right spot. So it's it's tougher for these guys who don't have that, you know, experience and that clout with their, you know, with their constituents to be able to push these deals that they might not want but they really actually need. No, definitely. Um, from what I've read, though, and what I've heard, it is good that they've had mediators there the last uh, week or so, week and a half. They said that's really helped this out a little bit. Um, it's an ongoing saga. Uh, we will definitely be talking about it next week more. Um, I personally believe, I think at come the end of this week, there will be a work stoppage in place. I think so I, do, I agree with you. I do not think that they're going to extend, make another. They've already extended it two yeah. times. They're not going to do it again. They just can't keep pushing along like that. And, and this is, a, you know, it's a deadline sort of thing. Labor negotiations, this is always are. They need to have their backs against the wall before they give up, you know, certain things that they're going to need. to. Without them. a doubt. But for all you NFL fans, just my personal opinion Rest at ease. You, the NFL is not going to lose any games this year. Yeah, I, I do not believe that. You're talking about a $9 billion industry. 
the highest two rated programs of all time were this year's Super Bowl and last year's Super Bowl. So don't you think for a second these guys are going to lose that much money. They will work something out. But we do need to take a quick break here on the Spartan Sports Wrap. When we get back, we're going to hit the NBA, a little NHL, and uh, interesting facts to end the hour. You're listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. You're listening to Impact Exposure. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Monday nights from 8 till 10, the Asian Invasion brings you the music from the rising sun. We'll bring you the latest pop, indie, rock, and electro from Korea, Japan, and China. Only on Impact 89FM. An ordinary day, an ordinary family's living room filled with an ordinary bunch of kids, and they were doing nothing, when suddenly... That's a personal foul, an active activity on a sunny day. Coming to the rescue was NFL running back Reggie Bush. Let's play. And play they did. There was running and jumping, and laziness was crushed. Hey kids, don't get a lazy penalty. Go online to smallstep.gov for fun playtime ideas. So you can be a player too. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Uh, like I said uh, before the break, we're going to get to the NBA and talk a little bit Pistons and uh, talk more about how we see these NBA playoffs shaping up with some of the uh, elite teams actually in the NBA, which aren't the Pistons. Yeah, I'm about to say, <laughs> the way I see playoffs is minus Pistons. Minus Pistons. But we will talk about that a little bit. Um, uh, let, let's start with the Pistons real fast. So the Pistons did play yesterday um, at the Palace of Auburn Hills against the Washington Wizards. And they won. Uh, the Pistons beat them 113-102. to 102. Uh, Tayshaun Prince uh, got back and uh, played a really good game, finished yeah, with 20 absolutely. points. Fantastic. All from the field, too. He made 10 jump shots in that game. No, that was great. And a thunderous dunk yeah. over JaVale McGee, which was that was a fantastic dunk. Nice to see Prince back. He was out with the sore back for uh, four games. Uh, actually, sore hip, excuse me, for four games. But uh, he came, bla- came back and uh, played very well. And uh, a win the Pistons need. Uh, again, they were more, Every win, please. It's, it's it's almost with the with the Wizards, you know, especially with the Wizards' terrible road record. Oh God, awful! Only road won record. one game out of thirty, I believe. Um, <laughs> it's almost more like a game that you just can't lose, no matter you know, what. As opposed to you need to win. <laughs> and I I agree. That's exactly what it is. It's I mean, you avoid the embarrassment. Yeah, please. Let's not. I mean, let's not become a laughing stock. I mean, Cleveland did beat the Wizards. Yeah, right. Or I mean, the Wizards did beat Cleveland. I mean, yeah. come on. Let's let's not. 
not give him two uh, when it comes to that. But, uh, you know, it was a slow first half for uh, Tayshawn, but he came out. He played well. Um, you know, it was a very good game for Rodney Stuckey. Uh, Rodney Stuckey, who has been playing fantastic the last four games. He's averaging almost 21 points, eight assists, and six rebounds in his last four games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last night, again, added 19 points, nine assists, seven boards. Um, fantastic job by Stuckey. Uh, needs to keep it up. Uh, if he's yeah. going to be the point guard of this team, sure. he needs to maintain these kind of numbers to a degree. Absolutely. He, he, I mean, he went up against John Wall, uh, the heralded rookie, yes. and uh, did very well. They kind of canceled each other out. They did. Uh, the thing that the Pistons did overall as a team was pass very well last night. An incredible percentage of their baskets coming off of assists. They mm-hmm. had eight guys who, who had at least one assist, which is an amazing number. It was just a you know great team game, and that's the sort of thing that you know you didn't really expect maybe from the Pistons after all these sort of strife that's going on internally. Yeah, there's a lot of strife going on with this team. Uh, this team right now is 23 and 41. Uh, 18 games left in the regular season. Uh, the Pistons season ends on April 13th, so basically. Basically four weeks. Uh, the Pistons are five games out of the eighth spot for the playoffs. The Indiana Pacers hold the eighth spot right now. So I guess just real fast, John, before we get to the rest of the NBA, do they have a chance of somehow turning on the Jets and going like 15 and three the rest of the way? Something insane. I, you know, we, we have a friend named Matt who would definitely say there's always a chance. There's a chance. But no, there's no realistic one. I mean, if you look at what they got this week, they got San Antonio, then they got Oklahoma City, then they got Denver, who's still a quality team. Oh, without a doubt. Chauncey Billups leaving. I think they're, they're gelling very well. Better, they're playing know? better than New York, in my opinion, right yeah. now. So this, you know, that's all on the road. That's a tough week. You know, we might well be eight games out of it by the end of this week. And, and you know, still, even if we play well, you know, we yeah. still lose all those games. Um, I, you know, it would be I would like to win one of those games on the road there. Sure. And if you could steal two in some crazy fashion, that would be amazing. Um, the Pistons do have an easier schedule the rest of the way. They're playing a lot of teams towards the bottom of the East, Eastern Conference, which is kind of a joke to think a team at 23 and 41 literally still has an oak. The okay chance a and so, of a glimmer of hope, yeah, to get to the playoffs. Yeah. That's that's pathetic. It's, uh, it's but really amazing how top heavy that conference is. The have and have nots of the NBA. Uh, it's from top to bottom. <laughs> it's incredible. It's uh, absolutely incredible. But uh, real fast, I want to uh, talk about this article that came out in the Free Press regarding Tracy McGrady. Um, it's been five games now that Tracy McGrady has been on the bench. Mm-hmm. He has not played since the uh, alleged, uh, w- you know, walkout, the alleged right. protest to John Kuster. And uh, here's a couple of quotes from McGrady about, you know, what really is going on. Because they're not talking about anything specific as to why McGrady has been benched. Maybe he's had headaches all these five games. Never know. Uh, but um, basically, here's a quote from McGrady. He says, quote, it's out of my control, man. I can't do anything. When the coach says he puts the guys out there he wants to play, I don't really like it. But it is what it is. And... That it is what it is, and basically McGrady has even said that this kind of stuff is affecting his decision on whether he wants to return next year. Yeah, absolutely, and it should. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, the details of what happened, what's going on between him and Kuster and, and the co- rest of the coaching staff. Obviously, they have some issues there, which I wasn't aware of before all this started. 
because uh, he had been playing great, and he had really been a spark that, you know, helped this team win a lot of games that I don't think they would have ever won if he wasn't running the point for us. Oh, without a doubt. It was an incredible, you know, transition that he's been able to make from, you know, the go-to scoring guy to the distributor. Very impressive. I like what he's developed with Greg Monroe. And this is it's a sad thing because I want him back next season. Me I, too. I think he could really help this team, you know, if they can pick up a couple of guys and, you know, maybe put together a playoff team next year with him, you know, running the point for us. Yeah. And, I mean, in regarding Kuster in this situation, uh, what, what bothers me, I, I want reasons. Yeah. Um, I, I hate seeing guys on the bench mm-hmm. that have been playing all year. Yeah. And why is he not playing now? Oh, well, listen, we're just going with certain guys, as Kuster said. We're going for the guys that are ready to go. Well, why is the T-Mac not ready to go? Yeah, exactly. It, it, I don't buy that. I don't believe that. It's just, oh, well, you know, he's just not the best guy for the job right now. Because he is. Honestly. He definitely is. I mean, Stuckey has been playing better at the point as of late, but he's never really struck me as a true point guard. And there's no, no, no shame in having two guys out there, you know, letting Stuckey play some, you know, two guard a lot of the time and then maybe run the point as a back backup guy when T-Mac's out. Yeah. That would be perfectly fine, and it's what we have been doing a lot of the season, and it would have been working fairly well. Yeah. I mean, Kuster, you know, says in this article, it's just a numbers game and no one's being singled out. I don't believe that. Uh, you know, when it was Rip Hamilton, the same yeah. deal. Oh, he's just not He's just not the right guy to put out there right now. Yeah. That's I bull. I, mean, I don't buy it either. I, it's 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 kind of been a problem with Kuster. He does not seem to be a very good communicator. Maybe he's good with the X's and O's, but he sure as heck does not get his point across in a way that people like. It seems, he seems to rankle guys, and that, that's why he's going to be gone after the end of the season. No, exactly. And I think my biggest issue as well with this is that not that we don't know why T-Mac's been benched, but right. T-Mac does not know why he's on the bench. Absolutely. He's not going to come out and give these quotes and say this stuff if he didn't have a clue. I mean, if he had a clue. He doesn't know. And a guy that's played for you all season and played well should know why he's not playing at the end of the season right now. He needs to know why. Because he's not going to come back if you dog him these last 18 games. No, absolutely not. And he shouldn't. I mean, no, he shouldn't. It's it's just a real shame because he really was starting to develop uh, some chemistry with a lot of our younger players. And having that veteran guy out there to lead him next season, you know, we're talking about having four guys in the starting lineup under 25. So it's a young and talented core. Yeah, that could maybe start to make some moves, but you, you need that veteran guy to bring him along. No, oh, definitely. And um, Ben Wallace is back with the team uh, since his eldest brother has passed away. Um, he's back with the team. He says he's going to take it slow yeah. and uh, just go from here. It's uh, you know it's tough. It's uh, my heart goes out to the man. No, without a doubt. Um, all the time you need, Ben. I mean, I have three brothers, and if any of them, pa- I mean, just any death in a family doesn't matter who it is. It always uh, it's going to it's going to be tough. But yeah, take your time, Ben. Um, you know. For a team, honestly, it'd be different maybe in a sense if this team was already in the playoffs guaranteed. You kind of maybe got to put it out of your mind when you at least get on the court. For a team that's 23 and 41, go to your family. Take your time. I mean, whatever it might be. If you need to miss more games, go ahead, Ben. You've done a lot for this city. You've done a lot for this town. You've you've earned it. Uh, But let's talk about the rest of the NBA real fast. Mm -hmm. Um, The Miami Heat. The heralded... Miami Heat, greatest team in history. Greatest team, supposed to be eighty-two so. and zero. Yeah, not looking so hot these days. I mean, they, they've lost uh, what four games now? Four in a row since the All Star break. Um, four in a row. A lot of them on last second, last second shots by LeBron James that did not go in. Nope. Um, yeah, other than the uh, obvious 
absolute bashing that they received from San Antonio the other day. Oh, that was that was just amazing. Yeah, that was a joke of a game. But uh, yeah, I mean, Miami did lose another one. They lost a one point game to Chicago here yesterday uh, in Miami. Again, LeBron driving it to the bucket in a wild drive that yeah. goes right off the backboard, doesn't touch any rim. Dwayne Dwayne Wade misses the final shot that rims out. Uh, basically, the Heat the Heat are one in nine against the elite teams of the league against yeah. the Bostons, the Chicago's, the Lakers, the Mavericks, the you know Spurs. And, and they're 0-6 against Boston and Chicago, who are the teams they got to beat to get to the finals. Yes. And that they lost both season series to these teams, you know. So it's it's they're not looking good. They they obviously they got so much talent. They just run over weaker teams. Yeah. Blow through them. But once they get up to good teams that have players they can match up, you know, at least to a certain degree, maybe they can't outplay LeBron or Dwayne in, in individually, but they can, you know, at least sort of cancel them out to a certain degree. Yeah. These teams are better as a team. And they, you know, have played together. They have chemistry with each other. They run plays well. And that shows. That's why, you know, they tend to get beaten by these teams because they execute. The the Miami Heat don't know how to execute right now. They don't know what to do late in games. That's uh, it. Crunch time. They, they just they look discombobulated out there. You got Chris Bosh jacking up three pointers sometimes at the end of game. He's made like six all season. <laughs> he doesn't need to be shooting that shot. You know, the Dwayne Wade can't get the ball. He has to get offensive rebounds to get a shot at the end. Of I the guess game. that's my question. When are you going to stop going to LeBron for last second shots? Yeah. I mean, this is not just this is not something of just this season. LeBron has never. Been that good as a buzzer beater kind of shooter. No, he, I mean, he, he's had his moments, but he, when you take that many shots, yeah. you're going to have your moments. Sure, sure. And Wade has been a finisher in the past. I mean, he led a team to the championship, uh, and that they aren't letting him get the ball now. Is if LeBron is willing to only take the shot if he has it and distribute it, pass it if he doesn't to find somebody else. Then I like him having the ball in the end of game situations because he's got great point guard type instincts. He does. He's a good passer. But if he's just going to force it every time to prove that he's King James, then put the ball into Wayne Wade's hand and have DeBron sit out the three point line to try to draw a defender out so you can isolate Wade and get him to go. No, At exactly. Least give him a shot. He hasn't had the opportunity yet no. this season. I mean, See, other than that offensive board that we yeah, talked about in the yeah. Chicago game yesterday, you know, if he misses, you know, three or four straight game winning shots. Then give it back to LeBron, but give Wade a chance. Yeah, give him a chance. Or you know what? Give Miller a chance. Yeah. Give somebody a chance. You know, maybe maybe that's what this team needs to do. I think these other defenses, they know exactly what play is going to be run. Yeah. As soon as they get into that kind of desperate mode of having to tie a game or having to take a lead mm-hmm. in the final 20, 30 seconds, minute of a game. And it really is. It's the same thing every time. It's LeBron with the ball. At the top, top of the key. Or he'll either pop for the shot or mm-hmm. some air drive. Yeah. And uh, as of right now, Miami's fallen at, to the three seed in the East. Chicago's taken the two seed. Miami's four games back of Boston. Yeah. Now, and uh, I mean, the whole East, you got Boston, Chicago, Miami, Orlando, Atlanta, New York, Philly, and Indiana for your top eight. So, and even Philly, Philly's right there. They could take the sixth spot away from yeah, New York. They could. I don't think that they're going to. I, I expect New York's going to start playing better and better as uh, Melo and Amari and Chauncey. And Chauncey's been out for four games, yeah. which I think has hurt them. Absolutely. But um, real fast, John, uh, I mean, I don't want to talk about the finals, uh, you know, the 
per se yet, but mm-hmm. looking at the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals, I know it's a ways away, sure. but who are you kind of seeing right now as the two horses in each conference? Well, I mean, it's it's Boston and Chicago, obviously, and I, and I really hope that they do meet in the Conference Finals because they've had some great series in the past that have just been super exciting. That um, first round series um, a couple of years two years ago, ago was one seven. of the best series of basketball yeah, I've ever seen. Three overtime games, yep, I believe. Three overtime games, correct. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, if that happens again, yeah, you get your money's worth out of it for sure, whether you're fans of the team or not. That's right. But, yeah, I I could see – I don't see Miami at this point sneaking into that conversation. Orlando, maybe. Dwight Howard is playing freakishly right now. He's yep. absolutely taking over. Uh, you know, Atlanta, I don't think, has the heart. They get blown out too much. They're not a team that I think can really advance deep into the playoffs. I agree. So it's really – it's uh, it's Boston, it's Chicago, and Orlando's kind of the dark horse as the East is concerned. And do you think that uh, New York could play upsetter, you yeah, know, to yeah. one of these uh, top three oh, in, the, yeah, in a first yeah. round? Yeah, like, they, you know, they, if they match up with Miami in a first-round matchup, which would be a fantastic first-round matchup, can you see Miami – because I think Miami personally is going to get knocked out in the second round this year. I, but do you see maybe a first-round exit if these standings – stay the same you know actually if if it is miami and new york um you know at this point in the season if the playoffs started right now i would say new york wins that in probably five or six games okay i I really do i think that that you know even though they're still trying to gel they just have guys who aren't as egotistical or whiny or whatever the problem is with Miami, they've guys who are, you know, Amari and Melo have shown that they're willing to spread the shots around and they know who's going to be taking shots late in games and they just look like they're going to be a better team. Yeah, and you got Billups, and when Billups is healthy, no, no better leader. Yeah, no, but yeah, no better leader. Him taking threes at the end. Yeah, how about let's have Billups take your game-winning shots? Go to Miami. No, but um, yeah, without a doubt. I think the NBA playoffs are shaping out to be real nice. Um, For the Western Conference, uh, I'm feeling, I mean, maybe uh, obvious pick, uh, San Antonio Lakers for your conference finals. It looks pretty good. Uh, Dallas could definitely put, uh, you know, they could surprise someone, but Dallas. Dallas is not going to do it. They don't do it in the playoffs. They just don't. And they don't have, they never found a guy to replace what they lost in Karan Butler when he went down with injury. Yeah. So they, they're sort of the team that can beat the, uh, the weaker guys too. Cause you know, nobody can stop Dirk. Nope. Uh, it's impossible. And Jason Kidd's a great distributor. Jason Terry off the bench does a lot, but they don't have the horses to run with Oklahoma city with, uh, Los Angeles or and even Denver uh, in the five Spot, you know, and yeah, San Antonio. I just think Dallas, you just figure one of these years, you know, we always say this, yeah, they can't do it in the playoffs. 50 yeah. win season, 50 win season. Sure. You got to one of these years, right, Dallas? Maybe. I mean, maybe. I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't like Dallas. Maybe that's why I dog them all the time, and I don't respect that they never can get it done in the playoffs. Yeah, keep winning your 52, 54 games a year. (laughs) That doesn't, (laughs) I don't really care. I mean, it's a nice achievement in the regular season, but, I mean, I think we all remember them getting beat up by Golden State back in 07, and they're just a team that seems to fade. They do. They don't really have the defense, I don't think, to keep up in those playoff series that go back and forth. It's a you know it's a weakness. They don't have anybody who can match up with Kobe. They don't have anybody who can stop uh, Tim Duncan no. or Man- Russell you know, Westbrook, or, Durant. Yeah, any of those guys. Uh, real fast uh, before we uh, get on get to the Red Wings uh, for a minute. What did you think about Eric Spolstra who came out after the game yesterday after the loss to Chicago, saying that there were guys in the locker room crying? Um, yeah. Is this something? Um, and we could talk about grown men in sports crying if you want for in, in sure. a second. But more or less, should the coach have? said something like that i don't think so not at this point in the season um you know it's it, it could can be taken way too many ways now you know 
guys will cry when they lose the championship. Of guys course. Guys will cry when they lose a big game in the playoffs and, and get knocked out. When they retire. I understand you know. when they retire. I understand that kind of stuff. In the middle of the season, you're going through a rough stretch. You've lost a lot of games in a row. Crying makes it look like you're weak. It does. It doesn't make it look like you're overcome with emotions. It just makes it look like you're giving up. And uh, and it's it's the sort of thing that I can understand it happening, but it needs to stay in the locker room. Say they're disappointed. Say they're frustrated, upset. Don't go to that point. Because now what are they doing? They're coming out and they're asking Chris Bosh, the first guy they ask, of course, with of all course. the questions, with this toughness, were you a crier? And he has to say, no, I wasn't. I was close. Yeah. But I wasn't. I was almost there. I was close to crying. Yeah. And then that's the thing. And that's it, that's the thing. It leads to speculation. Yeah. And that's the problem. Was yeah, it absolutely. LeBron? Was LeBron tearing up? Yeah. Was it Wade? Because I'm doubting it was Joel Anthony. No. Okay. No. So, I mean, the point being is that, you know, we, obviously it was one of the big three yeah. that were crying. And then it just leads to this. You know, that's what everybody's you know naturally going to think. I mean, why else is he going to say it? I like what you know Wade came out and said. I'm just not going to discuss this. It stays in the locker room. That's what should have happened from the beginning. It is, and I think Spolster is a young coach, mm-hmm. and I think he was trying to maybe say this to show that this is really affecting this team. Yeah. They want to play harder. They want to play better. They're disappointed, and this is how hard they're taking this loss. But again, you keep in the locker room. Yeah. Yeah. This is not Game 7 of the finals. Mm-hmm. This is not even the second round in a hard-fought series and a tough loss. Right. This is a regular season matchup, you know, three-quarters of the way through the season. Yeah, it, this should not be the monumental meltdown. Yeah, as, exactly. That's, that's the point that, that it really brings up is, you know, the perception is that if you're so upset and, and crying over this loss, you know, in early March— when you get into the playoffs, you're going to have the mental toughness to get through all those sort of tests that you're going to come up against. Exactly. Emotionally weak. So, LeBron, wipe your tears, all right? And you still have 18 games to play. Yeah. Uh, but we will uh, get to the Red Wings real fast. So, the Red Wings finished their uh, five-game road trip on uh, Saturday. Uh, they played the Phoenix Coyotes out there in Phoenix. And they blew a three-goal lead. It was uh, probably... The worst loss of the season, uh, just for uh, giving up that big of a lead. They were up 4-1 going into the third period and lost 5-4 in a shootout. Uh, Johnny, real fast, uh, this team went 2-1-2 and on the road trip. Uh, you know, nothing that bad, nothing terrible. Over yeah. f- A point over 500 for the road trip, which is, uh, you know, it's a tough road trip. You played Anaheim, Los Angeles, San Jose, Buffalo, and Phoenix. Uh, what do you think of the Wings just at this point? Um I know we we already talked about it. you don't want to make a big deal out of this at I all. I don't think it really. They shouldn't be, I but know, I you know they hit, they gave up that third period lead and, and lost the game in Phoenix and eventually in the shootout. And uh, they were up seven to one against Los Angeles, and that game finished up seven to four with some really fluky, weird, bad late third period goals. Yeah, it's a uh, bad defense. Yeah, just some bad plays. Uh, Howard didn't look super sharp at the end of that game. I but. I think that they're fine. It's a tough road trip. They're, I think they're tired. They got a few days off here now, um, and you know some of the wins that they had were very good wins. It's it's absolutely true. It was a great comeback against Buffalo. Yeah, it certainly was. That's uh, you want to see them be able to finish off these teams that they probably are going to be facing in the playoffs. Some of these guys. I mean, you know, Anaheim, um, San Jose, certainly Los Angeles, and, and Phoenix. They're all in the playoff hunt, and you know, Phoenix and. All right, I'm sorry, uh, San Jose and Los Angeles are definitely going to be in there. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, without a doubt, I mean, right now, um, actually, at Los Angeles, who knows? They're at they're in the eighth spot as of today yeah. with seventy six points. Minnesota, Anaheim. That's true. It is it is too hard to, too quick to call for anybody. Yeah. With the top three seeds, but I still, guess, Minnesota, Anaheim. Like we already talked about, Anaheim, Nashville. All these teams one point back of the eighth spot. Um, if the playoffs started today, we'd be playing Dallas. Yeah. Uh, Dallas is sitting seven, but again, Phoenix in the six, San Jose the three. Uh, it's a great point you brought up. These are teams that you will see again. It's different when you lose to some Eastern Conference foe that right. you play once a year yeah. that you might see only once every couple years. Sure. It's different when you're playing San Jose, a team that had won eight in a row. They did just lose the other day. Yeah. Uh, but they're four points behind you, and they could steal that second spot if they don't. If the Red Wings just don't make – they need to make sure – Take care of business at home. Sure. You got some home games coming up. You're going to be able to relax. Um, what, we're playing the Kings on Wednesday at home. Kings on Wednesday, Edmonton Friday, and then we go to St. Louis. And then you go to St. Louis, which is always a great game out there and the Scott Trade Center. So uh, right now, the Red Wings are seven points back of Vancouver. Vancouver have 93 points. Yeah. Uh, Detroit has 86. We still uh, were tied for the third best uh, record in the league. Philadelphia has also been struggling. Uh, they've lost four in a row, but they're still on top of the Eastern Conference. East after getting smoked seven to zero by the Rangers yeah. uh, yesterday, which was <laughs> abysmal, and, <laughs> and for all you Blackhawk fans, before we get to the facts, your Blackhawks have won eight straight. They have somehow got all the way up to the four spot yeah. after not even being in the playoffs two weeks ago. So absolutely amazing! Just shows how close that Western Conference is right now. Yeah, though. who knows where they'll finish up? But they will be a team to look out for in the playoffs. They, they got, definitely they got stars. They definitely will be. And uh, yeah, the Red Wings. Uh, their season ends April tenth. So, four weeks of hockey left, ladies and gentlemen. But we're going to get to the interesting facts real fast to end the hour. And these facts are going to discuss businesses. Just businesses in general, some innovations they've done when they've been around, all kinds of goofy stuff. So, uh, let's kick it off. Marlboro was the first cigarette company to market a cigarette that had a red filter called Beauty Tip. This was done to hide the lipstick marks left on the filter from women smokers. Yeah, obviously went over well because you see them all the time these days. Oh, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I wonder when that just completely gets filtered out. Yeah, I don't know. Get it filtered out. Okay, McDonald's restaurant has over one and a half million employees all over the world. Uh, wow, that, that's absolutely me. I didn't, I mean, one million served, one million working. Yeah, it's just. You, you get your service one to one ratio, I guess. <laughs> uh, let's see. Nintendo was first, to esta- was first established in 1889, and they started out making special playing cards. I guess they weren't making Mario games back before. Television. I'm guessing not. No Luigi. Computers were invented. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Of all the restaurants that are opened, 90% of them fail in the first year. Of the remaining ones that survive, 90% of them fail in the second year. Wow. That is amazing how. It's tough. It's, it's tough. tough business, it makes obviously. it obviously makes sense when you see these businesses go up and down here in East Lansing. Sure, I mean, sure. certain places it's a revolving door of establishments every other year. You just got, I think the hardest thing is getting the word out there, maybe. Yeah, you know. it's true. Getting people that you know, if it's not name brand, if it's not something you're familiar with, you might not try it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, oil tycoon John D. Rockefeller was the world's first billionaire. Uh, a yes, long time long ago. Time ago. Who, how, who knows how much that billion dollars would be worth in today's money? Yeah, he had Probably he had more money. Billions. Yeah, more money than Gates. More yeah. money than everybody, if you include inflation. Yeah, uh, absolutely insane. Uh, Mexico City boasts the world's largest taxi fleet with over sixty thousand taxis running every day. Wow, I wonder if that counts all the un. 
unregistered ones that are running around out there. <laughs> I'm, I'm doubting that one. Stay away from those guys. Definitely. Be be careful out there in Mexico, okay? Uh, a couple of quick ones. The first product that Sony ever came out with was a rice cooker. Wow. So not your TV, not your, you know, it was a rice cooker. I want, I want the rice cooker on my PlayStation. They have that app. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's one of my favorite ones, and this will be the last one before, because we got to go. The IRS, for all you... You know, the IRS tax people this yeah. year, always getting you. The IRS employees tax manual has instructions for collecting taxes after a nuclear war. Oh, okay. So good to know they're still going to get us yeah, get if we're alive. Approaches from yeah. their worth, I guess. You're going to have to find me, IRS. <laughs> good luck. All right, but uh, I want to thank everyone uh, for listening to the show this evening. Uh, Johnny, thank you very much for coming on tonight. No and uh, for all of our listeners, my name's Dave. And I'm Johnny. And you've been listening to Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM. An exclusive podcast from Impact